And uh, the rest of you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke chapter 15. And uh, let me tell you something. I, I got some good news. I got some good news. Now, Time Magazine says it's bad news. And, and again, we, we take things serious here at this church. So if there's wristbands uh, with the COVID thing. So this is why we have these in the foyer when you first come in. Red means that you're at risk, okay? And we take that serious. So if you wear a red wristband, it means don't touch me. Um, yeah, I know you love me, but don't touch me. Yellow means I'll take a fist bump or an elbow bump. And like I always say, if you don't have one at all and you're single, you're open game for other singles. <laughs> all right? I want to show you something that um, Time Magazine, they came out with this Time Magazine cover. I don't order it, but they send it to me, which is kind of weird because I don't pay for it. But they pay to ship it here. And it has a number on it. 200,000. Let's talk about that number for a moment. All right. If I told you, each one of you, there's a really good chance, high probability that I'm going to give you $2.2 million in your bank account when you get home. And you got home and there was only 200,000 would you be disappointed? No. Yeah, you would. Quit messing up my illustration, you realists. All right. Two point two million, like some billionaire Saudi prince that's real, wants to give you two point two million dollars, and that's what you thought. Two point two million bucks, and you get home and there was only two hundred thousand, there would be a level of disappointment, right? You'd be like Okay, you're like, no, but what if everybody else got the 2.2 million? You'd come to church and they'd be like, hey, we got 2.2 million. Like, I only got 200,000, right? Something in our mind would go, I would thought 2.2 million. Okay, let me reverse it. You did really well this year. The IRS says your estimated tax payment is $2.2 million. You're like, ah, but you get the tax thing from your accountant. He's like, oh, you only owe 200,000. Would you be happy about that? Okay, overwhelming support, all right? So here's the good news. Time Magazine says 200,000 COVID deaths in America. The title is An American Failure. An American Failure. So we're like, oh man, American Failure. How did we fail? Well, let me tell you what happened March 18th, 2020. There was a prediction that 81% of Americans would be infected with COVID-19, resulting in 2.2 million deaths in America. So you tell me something. How can you say there's going to be 2.2 million deaths in America and there's only 200,000 deaths in America and you're calling it a failure? Okay, perception is everything. And the world right now wants to control you with fear because we should be happy that it's not what they predicted, right? I believe that we saw God's hand. I believe that people prayed and I think God stayed a particular judgment on that. I don't consider that a failure. Matter of fact, in the world, there's 995,000 deaths, okay? And now the CDC comes out and says, well, really only 6% of the numbers really died from COVID. That's good news, okay? And I'm here to preach the good news, not only the good news on that end, but the good news on, on the fact that, that God is bigger than our fear. God is bigger than our fear. So what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? We're going to talk about tendencies today, and I'm going to trust God's word over Time Magazine any day, friends. Amen? God's word says, don't be afraid, all right? Again, if you're at risk, take precautions. Do what you need to do. But if you're not at risk, okay, you don't have to be as afraid of it as they say. And unfortunately, in our world, okay, because they push it, push it, push it, push it, we can live in fear. And God does not want you to live in fear, right? You can live in caution, okay? I still sanitize my hands, but I've been doing that for years, right? That's why buffets kind of gross me out. Like, anybody go to a pay? I want to be the first one to 
to do the buffet. When I went on a cruise with my wife, I, I liked the fact that they sanitize everybody's hands when you come in. Don't you like that? Okay. But the cruise ship still got it. But I'm looking forward to another cruise because it's going to be cheap. That's how I look at it. All right? I think it's going to be cheap. Let's get into this message. I don't want to keep you too long today because I have a tendency to say more than I need to say. Thank you. Okay, because I, I got some honesty out there. All right, Luke chapter 15. We're going to talk about the prodigal son. And actually, there's three people, three personalities we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks. But I want to look at how it applies to us in our everyday life. Because if I don't give you something to take home, I just wasted my time. I mean, I, w- I don't want to give you some great truth. Um, I don't want to just give you information without saying, okay, what can I do with the information? How can I act on it? Because I need to be different. Again, our, that's our slogan is leave change and live change. We need to leave different than we came into this place. So here's where we get into t- tattletelling on people. And I want you to just tell me, what are some tendencies that people have in the world? Like, just give me a couple tendencies. Be late. Be late. Okay, that was the number one in first service as well. Speed. Okay, speeding. Other people, not you. Okay. What'd you say? Vacuum lines. Tendency to like them or not like them. All right. Got a couple. All right. Tendencies. Okay. Speed. What'd you, what'd you say? Leaving the seat up. Okay, leaving the seat up like on the toilet. Yeah, that can be a problem. Okay. We have a tendency to. Make excuses with us something like the world owes us. We have a tendency to think that should be my parking spot. Right? We, have this, we have a lot of tendencies that aren't always great. And a lot of times, tendencies are blind to those who have them. I, I do not like watching myself pe- preach. Like when I go back and watch it, I don't like it. Why? Because I catch myself doing things, but it's important to, to say, okay, wow, you look at your notes a lot and you're not looking at the camera. Okay? So it, what's that tell me? It tells me to, to be very familiar with my notes so that I can go. At the same time, all right, you have to be open to if God speaks something to your heart that you can deviate from the notes, right? But the tendencies we have can eventually take us out. So have a tendency to be known as someone other people can count on. Somebody that is, is man, they're going to do the job. They said it's going to get done. It's going to get done. That's their tendency. Some of you know people that their tendency is to be late to everything. And then they have a tendency to make a really good excuse as to why they're late. I almost said a really good reason, but a reason is something that you can tolerate. An excuse is something that's not tolerable. Right? If, if, if it's a constant thing. So our tendencies typically lean toward our sinful nature. Okay, that, that's, that's what we're going to get to deal with today. And that's what we're, what we're up against. We really are kind of a self-centered people. Okay, we really are. So I, had a, I was going to pour some cement, or I did pour some cement this week, but I, I went to my wheelbarrow and the tire was flat. And I went and got my patch kit and pulled the tube out and got ready to patch it. Got the tube, got, got the tube of rubber cement and I opened up the cap and I started squeezing. And it, was, it, was, it appeared to be full and nothing came out but air. And I was like, how is that possible? Because I had used it once before. And I'm a, this is going to sound bad, I'm a bottom squeezer. Toothpaste. My wife's a middle squeezer. I'm the bottom squeezer. And anybody else have those? Yeah, tendencies, right, to squeeze the wrong thing. Um, And so it's all cool. And and so I squeezed and nothing came out. And I was like disappointed. And I I thought, you know, a lot of people are like that. It, because if, if it's not in you, it can't come out of you. Yeah, right. And so that's what we're dealing with today is if it's not in me, the bad tendencies can't come up. But the fact is the tendencies is something we got to fight. But like rubber cement, if it's not in you, it can't come out of you. And if, if it's something that's supposed to be good and it can't come out, 
it's not going to help anybody. If you're anything like me, it's the bad tendencies that want to come out. They don't need much help. Okay? They don't need much help when you're driving down Eagle Road or doing whatever that you do and people cut you off. Um, you know, I, I, if you saw my video, I got, I got california again, and I call it, what do you mean california You get cut off without a blinker. It's like if you leave half a car length, they think that's open, yeah. okay, because that's how people drive down yep. in that state, um, where all the smoke came from. Actually, not all of it, just some of it. I, I was born there, just so y'all know, but I was born in the backwoods, way, 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 way north. Y'all think San Francisco is Northern California. Uh-uh. It's not Northern California. You can, unless you can see the Oregon border, buddy. You can see the Oregon border. That's Northern California. To me, it's all about perspective. Right? Matthew 15, 16 through 20, Jesus gives us a little heads up on what we battle. So I want to read the things that we struggle with, and then we'll talk about the story. And Jesus gets confronted here. The Pharisees watched his disciples uh, get ready to eat, and they didn't wash their hands. They just started eating, and the Pharisees confronted. They're like, hey, your disciples didn't wash their hands. And the disciples kind of got like offended, and, and Jesus is like, okay, let's deal with this right now. And so they came, and they were, they were offended by it. In verse 12, it says that. It says, then the disciples came to him, and they asked, because he called them hypocrites, which Jesus is good at, at, at calling it for what it is. And they, the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, did you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? And Jesus was like, oh, they were? Well, I'll go apologize. No, Jesus never had to apologize for anything he said. And they're like, well, the Pharisees were offended. Let me tell you something, guys. When you speak the word of God, when you speak the truth, it is going to offend people. People that, that want to live in a lie do not like the truth. They don't. And when you speak the truth, they will call you all kinds of names. Try being a public speaker for a living. Okay? They will call you stuff when you stand up for the word of God. Well, I believe this is 100% God's word. Doesn't matter what anybody tells me. This, this is God's word, and I'm going to preach it the way that it was printed. Okay? That's the way that we have to be these days. I'm not going to preach fluffy. I got to tell you the story. I forgot, I forgot to tell first services. So last night, my, my dad's birthday party, we went and ate, and my mom made, made man, really good ribs and all this food. And so we're outside getting ready to eat, and my granddaughter, Kayla, four and a half, she says, hey, mom. She's like, yeah, baby. She goes, I just want ice cream. <laughs> like, we haven't even eaten dinner yet. She's like, I just want ice cream. Don't we do that in church? We're like, pastor, I don't want the meat. Just give me ice cream. Just give me something I want. Give me something that's just easy to eat. Don't give me the meat. Don't give me nothing. I just, I just want ice cream. And we can't have that approach and grow. I just want ice cream. You try to tell them, that, you know, you, we've done a lot of weddings, you know. I, I don't want to talk to the, the guy that's making his vows to the woman for him to go, I just want ice cream. <laughs> She's like, what? He's like, well, I don't want to work in this relationship. I just want ice cream. I just want the benefits. That's not going to work in a relationship. But we just we can't just want ice cream. Now, if you get the good stuff, then you can get some ice cream, which it was homemade and it was great. Then I eat too much, so I'm confessing my sins of gluttony to my church. All right, and I went home and I was like, oh, I didn't feel good, but I felt good at the same time. Why? Because it tasted good. Now I'm making y'all hungry, man. Ribs and homemade ice cream—that's pretty hard to beat. Amen. All right, so so these guys are all offended, and Jesus is like. Leave them alone, they're blind guides, and if a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. And Peter said, explain this to us, and Jesus is, he, Jesus is so kind and compassionate to Peter. He's like, are you so dull? <laughs> He's like, why are you being an idiot, Peter? 
I mean, he wasn't quite saying the word idiot, but he, are you so dull? Are you, is it, Peter, think about this. Are you so dull? Jesus asked him. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these are what make a man unclean. And then Jesus goes on to say, this is what you're going to battle against. And this is what we all fight right here. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. The Pharisees were so hung up on ritual, so hung up on religion, that they forgot about the heart of man. And Jesus is saying, you guys got it all backwards. You can eat with dirty hands and have a pure heart. Okay? And you can have a pure heart and eat with grubby hands, and it's not going to contaminate your spirit. So you got to stay away from religion, because religion is like a bunch of do's and don'ts. Okay? Jesus says to focus on these things that are natural. So if you think that, wow, you're special, that you've, you've thought of some sin, some temptation that nobody else in the whole history of the world has ever thought of, you are lying to yourself. The devil uses the same bag of tricks that he's, he's used for thousands of years. He knows what trips people up. You ever have one of those thoughts? You're like, that was the worst thought. I, nobody in the world has ever had a thought like that. Out of the, really, out of the billions of people, you think you're that special? But the devil would target you, right? We're not that special, okay? We all struggle with the same things in there. Everything that Jesus said right here. Evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony, slander. That's what makes us unclean. That's what we need to work on. So Jesus gives us his heads up on what we will fight in this life so we're not surprised by it. So don't be surprised when you get tempted by these things. So out of the heart, and what he's saying is that's a natural tendency, and that's why we have to govern the heart. We've got to control this thing. Why? Because that's what wants to come out of it. That is the sin nature. That is the reason that Jesus had to come and die on a cross because we couldn't take care of this on our own. And we give our heart to Christ and he cleans it, but it still has these tendencies. Okay? And this is why non-Christians make rules that make sin okay. Why? Because there's no moral compass. See, as a Christian, this is our moral compass. This, everything that we do is off the word of God. Our constitution, guys off the word of God. When you go back and look at it, this is what it was based on. Okay? And we're trying to get away from it as a nation. We're trying to pass laws. We have ungodly leaders, people that aren't following Jesus. And you don't follow Jesus, you're going to follow a natural tendency to do those things I just talked about. Because ungodly leaders have no desire to, to follow this word. But as a Christian, what do we do? How do we, what do we do with this? In a world that's going one direction, we're like, wait, the Bible says don't do that. Well, the Bible's just an old antiquated thing. Well, last time I checked, antiques are worth something. Okay. The word of God is living and active. It means what it says, and it says what it means. I'm going to stand on God's word. So we have a heads up. If you've seen the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, Jack Sparrow has a compass. And his compass, what's, where's it point? His desire. His desire. Wherever, it points to the things that he desires most. His compass is not a compass. It's not a compass because the compass has to have a, a point, of, a starting point. Has to have a starting point. Has to have an initial point. If, if many of you may not know this, initial point south of town, that's a, that's a survey thing. That's an initial point, meaning that's where they pulled survey marks off of. And we have to pull our survey marks off God's word, not the word of the day. So when God's word says something is wrong, we have to believe it's still wrong. Now, 
We discussed this a week or two ago. Uh, the California law, okay, has, has, they're changing some laws. They're, they're, they're decriminalizing some things that used to be crimes. They're saying now that, you know, if 14 years old wants to have sex with a 24-year-old, if it's consensual, then there's not, you know, the criminal action that they used to take. Guys, that's wrong. Okay, that's wrong. It, it's wrong to do that. Why? Because what 14-year-old do you know that has the ability to make really wise decisions? Right? So, so California hasn't said, hey, pedophiles are okay. But what it's saying is that there's a path that will decriminalize something that will eventually make it okay. And that's wrong. Okay? There's a point that as Christians, we have to stand up and say, you know what? This is wrong. And here's what I wrote. Now, here's the good news. You don't have to agree with everything I say. Isn't that cool? In the Christian church, you just can leave. You're like, I don't like you. And you can walk out. Don't do it now because they'll know it's you because everybody will look at you. All right? Do it, do it after church. Like, what's your deal? Like, whoa, conviction, all right? California law. Here, I'll just type this out. California law is not made with a 14-year-old's interest in mind. It's made up for perverted adults who have a 14-year-old in mind. Okay? This whole agenda behind it, as I've read through it and I've, I've just looked at some of the things that they've written, government stuff, um, what, what, they're, what they're saying is, well, we don't want to discriminate against the LGBTQ community if they have an interest in younger people. We don't, we don't want to discriminate. So I'm going, whoa, that's not discrimination. That is called not protecting. That is called an excuse for sinful behavior. It is not, it is not made for the 14-year-old. Okay? And it's wrong. And this is a path that once you go down this path and you give up ground on morals, you will not get it back. Okay? You will not get it. It's a crazy thing to decriminalize something that was criminal, something that is against the word of God. Sexual immorality is against the word of God. And so I have, we have pastor friends in California, a lot of people that we know from California, and it's a scary thing to be in a state where they're making laws that, that basically leave your 14-year-old unprotected. Okay? So you have some guy who's, you know, a predator on your 14-year-old daughter, and he's pretending to be somebody else, you know, sends a text, hey, let's meet up. She's like, okay, because that's proof right there that it was consensual. Isn't that crazy? But this is the world that we live in, okay? So masked as discrimination, okay, it only favors the predator. That's all it does. Several years ago, like a lot of years, California, they, they said you can't hunt mountain lions anymore, okay? Can't hunt mountain lions, well, then mountain lions became the hunters. Do you remember the attacks, like in Southern Cal, where people were out jogging? Okay. Well, mountain lions no longer had a fear of humans, so they begin to hunt humans. They begin to chase down bicycles, all right? Was that a great idea to say you shouldn't hunt mountain lions and give them no fear over a predator because they have no other predator? Well, they begin to prey on people? Is that, you look back and go, well, yeah, it probably wasn't a smart idea. Save the mountain lions, but use people for food? Okay. That's, that's crazy, right? That's crazy thinking. Well, when you begin to make laws that favor predators against kids, you are saying predators can do whatever they want. Okay? And that's a dangerous thing. Here's what I, I read. I didn't write this. Okay? I'm, I'm just reading you public information. They, they were afraid that if they, if they prosecute somebody for having a sexual relationship with a 14-year-old in that vicinity, that they would be discriminating against the person who is committing the act. Well, we, want our, we don't want to discriminate against somebody who has the tendencies. Is that crazy? Okay, I mean, that, that, I'm like, wait, well, hold on a second. So that means that if I have a tendency to be a rapist, that, that I can just get off from, well, I just, I, that's my tendency, so I do it. What about a bank robber? 
You shouldn't prosecute me because I like to rob banks, man. It's fun. You should try it sometime. You can fund things at church, right? Just tithe 50%. You can always justify why you do what you do. But do you see where this, this path leads? Okay, well, we don't want to discriminate against people that have those tendencies. If you have those tendencies, no. No, okay? There's laws for a reason, okay? There's laws for a reason. Have you heard, I'm going to throw out a name here. Most of you probably have not heard of this guy. I had not heard of his name. I heard of the organization, but not his name. It's been around since the 70s. His name is David Thorstad. If you want to define creeper, type that name in and Google it, and you will see what a creeper looks like. Never seen him before, but I typed it up. This guy founded what's called NAMBLA, N-A-M-B-L-A. It's North American Man-Boy Love Association. He likes little boys. He has never been prosecuted. Yeah, it's, 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 but he is behind a lot of the stuff that's happening nowadays, guys. And this is why, as a pastor, I have to say, you know what? This isn't political. This is biblical. This is something that governments are, are looking at. Oh, no, it's okay. But there is evil behind some of the laws that are getting passed. And as Christians, what do you do with that? Like, because I, I, man, what you do behind your bedroom doors, that's, that's your deal. But what you parade and what you tell me to be okay with as a Christian, that's where the, my line is. I was like, no, if you want to keep it behind the door, do it. That's, that's your thing, that's your thing. But when you begin to open up the doors for sexual predators for kids, and then there's no real consequences, that's, that's what I don't like. And that's where, as a church, we have to deal with it. They're like, okay, well, what do we do with this? Well, stand your ground on what you believe in. But this guy is, is, is just evil. That's all it is. He likes little boys. And he's never been prosecuted. And he has an organization that is predating on little boys. Isn't that crazy? The guy should be arrested. He's a proven, I mean, he's a proven pedophile, and he's, not, he's just gone untouched. But it's, it's just the epitome of evil. All right? So our bad tendencies can become our character if not controlled. And Jesus tells us what we're up against as humans. He completely understands the battle. All right, now that we got the hard stuff out of the way, let's have some fun with the Bible. I'm smiling now, right? Because I don't really like to have to talk about the stuff, guys. But we can't just eat ice cream all the time. I have to be honest. I have to preach what God has put on my heart to say, you know what? Right is right and wrong is wrong. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Again, once you give up ground on morals, you will not get it back. I read the Bible. I read the Bible every day. I've read the Bible every day since high school. When I look at the cities that have given themselves over to sexual immorality, every single one gets destroyed. Every single one. Every nation that goes against God's word and gets into sexual immorality, everyone gets destroyed. And I don't want that for America. Amen? I'm believing for, I'm praying for another, at least another four years of, of God saying, you know, I'm going to stay my judgment on America, and if they get right, I'm going to bless them again. Because that's why we were blessed, because we, are, we have found it on God's word, but we're slowly and quickly nowadays getting away from it. I'm staying, I'm your friend. I love you, all right? But this is, this is kind of this tough stuff that we need to talk about. I, trust me, I like preaching about fluffy stuff more than this thing. But, you know, if we stand by and, and don't say anything, that's where the evil will take over. Amen? Somebody's got to stand the ground. Amen? Yes. I, didn't, I didn't always like spanking my kids, but I did it. There was a few times that I didn't mind. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, no, you really went over the line. Yeah, this is going to feel pretty good. And I never want ever, ever, ever did I say this is going to hurt me more than you. Ever. You see, some parents are like, oh, it's going to hurt me more than you. I'm like, well, then it's not a spanking. 
Do we not believe in spankings anymore, guys? Come on, it's a biblical thing, right? If, we, if more parents spank their kids, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in in America. Let's just move on. It's a biblical thing. I'll get in trouble. All three of my kids are serving Jesus. And all three of them got whoopings. There's something to that, right? I got plenty myself. All right, let's get into the fun stuff. All right. My own heart wants to go astray without the devil's help. It really does, because I have these tendencies inside of me. In Luke 15, we're going to read a story about a young man. And most of you, if you grew up in church, you probably know the, the story, or at least know of the story, the prodigal son. Um, if you're newer to church, you may have never heard the story before, so it'll be kind of new to you. And uh, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, because there's kind of three parts to it. We're going to talk about the first part. Uh, and here's a young man who apparently didn't have everything that he wanted, right? and, and here's what he did. Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a, a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. He didn't say there was a conversation. It was just, he just did it. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out. I will go back to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he went up and he went off to his father. And we're going to talk about kind of the end next week. But let's talk about that. It appears to me that he had a pretty good life as it was. His dad had property. It seemed like things were pretty good. But if you're not content with what you have today, you probably won't be satisfied with what you can get tomorrow. It's a human tendency. We have this tendency to want more. We have a tendency to say, okay, well, I got a million. Well, maybe I want two million. I, I heard a guy preaching the other day, and he had these financial goals, and he said, that's happened about 10 times, and what I have now still quite isn't enough. And he's a well-known preacher, makes a lot of money, writes books, and, and he, he's, he's not poor. But he was saying, at what point is enough enough? J.D. Rockefeller. They asked him, how much is enough? And he said, one more dollar. One more dollar, just one more dollar. Well, if you're not content with what you have today, you probably won't be satisfied with what you get tomorrow. See, with many people, more is still not enough. With many people, more is still not enough. Paul the Apostle said this, he said, I've learned to be content in any situation. Whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor, whether I'm clothed or whether I'm naked, he's like, I I found a way to be content in the situation that I'm in. Because the things aren't the things that make me happy. The things aren't the stuff that life is worth living for. It's Jesus. It's what God has done in my life. That's what, now stuff can be fun. But if your life isn't right with God, stuff will not make you happy. That's right. If your life is right with Jesus and you get some stuff, guess what? You're going to be happy with the stuff. Why? Because you were happy before you got the stuff. It's just the way it is, right? That's the way, that's the way God has us wired. So he says this. I want to cash out. Dad, give me my stuff. Give me my inheritance. What is inheritance? What is an inheritance typically given upon the death of somebody, right? 
I mean, his dad, when he died, would have, the boys would have inherited. But he says, Dad, I want my stuff now. I want my inheritance. What is he saying to his dad? I, I basically wish you were as good as dead because the stuff is more important than you. I mean, that's how the dad could have taken this because that's kind of what he was saying. I want it now. I want it now. I wish you were dead so I could have the stuff. And the dad, he just gives it to him. Just gives it to him. See, he's pretty arrogant and he's pretty unthankful. And the dad just complies, though he didn't have to, he just did. And as I was studying this, and um, I've been sharing some things with you lately that I, I specifically know, like the Holy Spirit breathes something to me, like because that's my prayer, is God, just talk to me today. And so as I'm studying, this is what, this is what came to me when I was reading this, and, and that's this, some lessons can't be learned by a lecture. Amen. And I was like, God, that's good, that's good, Lord. And God's like, I know. I thought of it. I was like, because I'm not smart enough to think of something like that. Some lessons can't be learned by a lecture. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And then again, I'm careful when I say the Holy Spirit spoke. I'm not one of those preachers that like, well, God talked to me, all right? When I read the word, God talks to me. Okay? And occasionally he will put something in my mind. So I'm very careful. I'm not one of those God told me people. Uh, but that just popped into my head and I was like, that's good. Some lessons can't be learned by a lecture. And, and why is this? Because I, as I study, I just pray. I'm like, well, why is this here? What, show me why you put this here. And that was this, is that this dad in this parable knows his kid's personality. He knows this younger son is hard-headed. He knows this younger son is stubborn. He knows this younger son has to put his hand in the fire to prove that it's hot. He's not going to look at his dad's scar and go, oh, how'd you do that? Oh, I put my hand in a fire. He's not going to go, okay, well, I'm not going to. He's like, no, I got to do it too. You ever, you ever raised one of these? Yeah. My mom and dad have got the both hands raised right now. Hallelujah, he's saved and serving Jesus. But, but that's how I was. I was like, I had to touch it to know for sure that you were telling me the truth. Now, as a painter, I'm a, a professional painter. I have my own business. You know what I know about tendencies with people? I never put signs out that said wet paint. Why? Because people's stupid tendencies would touch it just to prove me wrong. Is it really? Oh, sorry. One guy like back into a garage door one time with like his butt. I was like, come on. Why did you put your bottom, sorry, behind on the garage? He like touched it. And I'm like, I had to repaint that. And it, it was like, I'm not going to leave two marks of a bottom on somebody's paint, garage door. You know, not, not a good idea. And I was like, come on. But we have these tendencies to want to experience the thing that we know we shouldn't do. It's like we have to prove it to ourselves. And that's what I believe the Lord's teaching us here is that there's a dad that didn't argue with this kid. He didn't try to talk him out of it. He's like, you know what? This kid is so stubborn, the lesson is not going to be learned by a lecture. He is going to have to just do it and find out the hard way. If you have one of these children, if you raise a kid like that, I want to tell you something. Here's a trick. I've never tried it. But I think it'll work, so I want you to try it for me. I want you to set a mouse trap, a real one. And you tell the kid, don't touch that little golden thing. Just don't do it, because it'll snap your finger. And then walk out of the room and see if you can hear it. <laughs> see what happens, report back to me, let me know. Because I know that my granddaughter, she will do this. She, she is a toucher, she has to touch everything. Some of you know the story. I helped her with her, her uh, Pinewood Derby car last year, and, and, and I painted it, and she's out there, and I said, don't touch that. It's wet. Okay, I got to run in and grab something right out of the house, and she's in the garage. I come back, and she's holding her hand, and I see a, a fingerprint in the car, and I was like, did you touch the car? She's like, mm-hmm. I said, show me your finger, because she's hiding her finger. She's like, black paint all over the finger. I was like, yeah, you voted, um, and your vote was wrong, Okay. You touch what I told you not to touch. And I, I knew she was going to do it. I just, 
I just knew it. Why? Because she has a lot of me in it. Just got to experience. You got to touch things. You got you to see if it's really true. Some lessons can't be learned by a lecture. And this dad knows the kid's personality. See, oftentimes God will give you just what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful as a nation, America, be careful what you ask for. Because if you're asking for things that are ungodly, you're going to get what we deserve. And, and unfortunately, as a Christian, we get some repercussions from that. That's why we need to be vocal, okay? Here's a, here's a thing that has been on the news, okay? It used to be, you know, defund the police, and then it's, now I see the sign that say, abolish the police. And I'm like, guys, that, you don't understand. I love you. I love protesters. I love you. I care about your well-being. That is not a good idea. Taking away police officers is the worst idea that you can do for a country that is based on laws. Okay, you take away the consequences. They don't understand. This is what they don't get. They think, well, abolish the police. And they think everything is, all of a sudden, everybody's going to get along. You don't think that the drug dealers are going to come in and just threaten everybody and take over? Go to Somalia. Go to, go to Mexico. Go to some places where the, the law, the authorities don't have authority. It's the people with bigger guns that have the authority. It is a very stupid idea to take away the police departments. Just dumb. Take away consequences and everybody would get along. Well, if that worked, you'd be getting along and the cops wouldn't have to be called. Okay? But we have to have law enforcement. Matter of fact, people argue with me on that. You go to Romans, it is a calling of God. It is a, law enforcement is a calling of God. It says he does not bear the sword for nothing. What does that mean? That means that they're going to use it if you misbehave. Okay, but taking away the police is a terrible... You, you watch these cities. If these cities in America defund police and they take... You, you watch what happens. Mark my words, they will be disaster areas in a matter of weeks. Disaster areas. And that is something I don't know if we can ever get control of again without sending our military in. Guys, I'm just like, guys, I love you. You can protest. That's cool. But don't abolish it. Why? Do you really want that? It's a, it's a path that goes somewhere that you don't want. Because you're protesting against, you know, the police thing. And again, police brutality, I have a lot of cop friends, okay? None of them like police brutality. It gives them a bad name, right? They're like, fire those guys. It's like me and pastors. You got pastors that are shucksters. And, I mean, fire them. Get them. They shouldn't be in ministry. They shouldn't be. But it doesn't mean that you take them all out. So when we take away the, the consequences of criminals, it only becomes more criminal. It's just a crazy thing. It's like, hey, kids, let's go to the zoo. There's no cages. It's a lion zoo. Let's go. You'd be like, yeah, I don't want to go to a zoo. Okay, let's go to the, let's go to the snake museum or the snake, let's go to the snake place without any glass. Would you, guys, would you do that? You'd be like, no, hey, let's go to the scorpion pit. There's no protection. No shoes allowed. We, we would go, no, that's crazy. That's crazy. I, wanna, I don't want to go to the crocodile place where there's no fences. I, don't, I just don't. Why? Because you're eventually going to get bit. So when you say abolish police, you're, you're asking for trouble. Right? You're asking for trouble. And it, it, to me, I, the logic of it, there's no logic. It's like it is not a logical thing to do. Is there some things that we need to change? Absolutely. But every good cop will tell you the same thing. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a weird way of thinking that I don't quite understand, but the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. That's what the word of God says. All right? So the man of lawlessness, when we talk about Revelation, the, the, the Antichrist, that's what his name is, the, the man of lawlessness, meaning take away laws. Why? Because it'll go crazy, and then the world will come to an end quicker. Well, I'm praying that God would stay judgment and that we would get right at least for a few more years so that we can see blessings um, and revival take place in our community and people would get saved and then the end will come. That's what I'm praying for. 
But God will do what he wants to do. Uh, but if we repent, I know God will forgive us. Okay? Some things we look at, we're like, this isn't going to end well for you, but here you go. And here's the tough thing with parenting. One of the hardest things you can do is watch someone you love destroy their lives by bad decisions that don't appear to be bad decisions in their mind. But as parents, you're like, this is not end good. This is not end well. But like this father, and here's, here's for some of you who are struggling this, with this right now as a parent, you've done the best you can with your kids and now they're prodigal. They're like going to do their own thing. You need to understand something. There are times that you have to be like this dad and just give them what they want and say, I, I love you, but this is, you're gonna go do it. I'm here for you if it goes, because it's gonna go south, but I'll be here for you. I'm gonna keep that bridge open. And here's what I believe, and we'll talk about this next week. The, prodigal, the, the father, okay, I believe he prayed for his kid every day. Okay? Again, it's a parable, but in, in the story, I think he prayed, why? Because when the son comes back, the dad was watching. He was watching. So I wanted to share that with some of you who have a prodigal in your life, that your job is just to pray. It's not to be the Holy Spirit. It's not to, to send convicting things to them. It's to pray for them and say, God, whatever needs to happen in their life, just do it so they will come back to you. But you need to set yourself free from it because some of you are living in guilt. I don't think the father spent the rest of his days going, man, I should have did something better. I should have did, because he gave him everything the kid needed and then he just had to say, okay, God, this guy's yours. This is yours. So I hope that helps somebody to know that, again, God has prodigals and God's a perfect father. But this guy, again, we'll talk about next week, he waits and he just watches. And some of you are in that band. It's so hard, isn't it? Because you want the, hey, I want you to come home. Well, you're not the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, I've always said that parenting a teenager is like holding a cat. The tighter, the tighter you squeeze, the more they want to get away. And they will scratch you and they will claw and they will bite. So you have to do that with a prodigal. You have to go, okay, here you go, cat. Right? I'm just going to let you go do your thing and hope that you'll come back and you've got to be patient. Okay? So read the Bible and you see what happened to nations that turn from God. There's always destruction. We need to understand this. God has your best interest in mind. And I think we forget that a lot of times. See, there's a reason for the rules. There's a reason for the rules. God has a reason for the rules. Think about how good society would be if everybody obeyed the rules. Just followed the rules and just did what they were supposed to do. In fact, we have yellow paint. Why do people paint road lines when people are awake? Anybody ever run over a road line? We, we, we about a month ago, in my wife's car, we were, we were going to the airport and I was dropping her off and, and they were painting in front of the car. And I'm like, oh no, it's going to get all over because I'm like that. I'm a painter. I know where paint goes. And, and so they had, they, how they painted it, you had to cross the line. Like where the cones were, were they already painted? And so I drive over the lines and I'm like, no. And sure enough, yes. There's yellow paint all under the line. And I can't, I'm pressure washing and I can't get it off. I'm so frustrated. But guys, you know what happens when, we have to understand roads have lines for a reason. And when you cross the line, it's going to get on you. It's going to leave a residue. It's going to leave a residue. The roads without lines, we can't seem to follow those rules. We'd pass in crazy places. We would do things that we, that we, we thought were okay at the time. So this guy squanders his wealth. He's spending like there's no tomorrow, not thinking about the fact that a bank account needs to be replenished. <laughs> Tendencies have taken over. A tendency... Is one, one area of tendency is this. Things that are simply given to you, hear me on this, things that are simply given to you aren't always appreciated, especially if it's on a regular basis. Okay? 
when was what when what let me say this when what was once appreciated becomes expected it results in unthankfulness let me say that again when what was once appreciated comes to be expected it results in unthankfulness and this is why you should not give your kids everything you shouldn't give them everything if you want to raise ungrateful kids simply give them everything they want you know why god has us pray for stuff because when it's always given to us, it becomes unappreciated. This is, this is where salvation can get us. The tendency is to be unthankful for what Jesus did on the cross. Why? Because it was given to us. It was free for us. It cost him his life. And we, we can feel like, well, oh, I'm saved. Everything's great. And live a life of unthankfulness. So that's not how we should live. We should get up every morning and say, Jesus, thank you for the second chance. Because without you, I would end up in hell if I died. We need to think that way. Like, I, I am thankful. I need to be thankful every morning when I wake up to next to my beautiful wife and say, I'm thankful that she actually said yes when I proposed. Even though she knew it was coming because she found the ring, because she put my coat on after church that she wasn't supposed to do and found the box in it. But that's a whole other story. It was the most unromantic proposal in human history. If there was one thing I could do over again, that would be it. So I've spent the last 28 years trying to make up for it. Okay? It's terrible proposal, just terrible. All right, it was bad. It was in front of my grandma. My grandma thought it was cool. My wife didn't think it was very cool because it wasn't very cool. I was just like, here, try this on. That's what I said. It was bad. It's bad. I'm surprised she still loves me. So now I just buy her whatever she wants. I'm like, here, I gotta make up for my bad thing. I'll tell you the whole story sometime. She kind of deserved it, though, because she found the ring before I proposed. So, yeah, I know. Well, imagine if I'd have had this. Okay, let's take it aside here. Let's quit the, let's stop. When I stop. <laughs> imagine if I'd have had this grandiose proposal, like, planned out, decked out, and she knew it was coming because she found the ring in my coat. She would have to live a lie the rest of our marriage that she knew it was coming. So it actually saved her from living the lie. And my hole is getting deeper and deeper as I speak. Right? It's <laughs> just real, man. If you're new, it's like, we just tell you everything. It's, it's just how it is. I'm just a country boy that got called to ministry. Amen. And maybe that's why some of y'all understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. Government assistance has its place. But if you're living off it when you have the ability to work, that's abusing the system. And that's at the cost of taxpayers. And a matter of fact, I here, the money doesn't come from the government anyway. It comes from you and I. The government's just the middleman, right? They're like, here, I'm going to take from you, give to them, and I'll get the credit for it. That's kind of how it works. And Paul, the apostle, said, hey, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Paul, Paul, he took a hard line on it. He's like, no, you're made to work, okay? And if you have the ability to work and you're not working, then you shouldn't eat because being hungry can really cause you to work, right? Our problem in America is we, we, seem, we tend to reward mediocre, or we, we reward people that don't want to, to work, all right? And then we end up having to pay for it. So that's a, that's a biblical thing. But here's, here's why I say what I say. We're made in God's image because I was thinking about this whole process. We're made in God's image to create, to be productive, 
What did God do? Like on the first day he created, right? And he went, this is good. And the second day he made this, oh, that's good. So he, he, had, he had this creation, the sense of accomplishment. And that's how God made us. We are in his image. We are made to accomplish something, to get something done, because we all feel good. Or I should say we all feel good. I, we have a list. Does anybody have a list? I love list people. Becky, right? Your list people got these lists. And, and, you, and you're just like, oh, yeah, check this off, check this off. Matter of fact, this morning I woke up because I forgot to check something off I did yesterday, and I checked it off this morning. Two things like, I feel good about that. I washed my truck. And I can't remember what the other one was. Um, <laughs> It was somewhat important, but my truck is washed and waxed. That was on my little list. But it was important for me to go, oh, I didn't check that off. And sometimes I'm vain enough, I am arrogant enough that if I do something really special, I'll go write it on my list and put a check mark on it just to feel good about it, right? And so I got this list. But to me, there's this sense of accomplishment when we earn something. And when you're given everything, you might be thankful, but we need a sense of accomplishment and that's why, like, when, when men lose their job and they, they don't work for a while, they, they lose their self-worth. Why? Because God, I think, puts something in us to produce. Right. And it's a big thing. I tell people that if I, you know, I'm not, really not, not necessarily clinical depression, but if they buy depression, if you will go find something to do for somebody else, you will feel a little bit better. I promise that. You will. When you bless somebody, you'll be like, oh, that kind of felt good. Why? Well, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Oh, so the Bible does work. Yes. It does, because the world teaches you get, 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 and you'll be happy. Well, if that was the case, Hollywood and professional sports would be full of happy people, but they're not. Drug abuse, alcohol abuse, spousal abuse, all that stuff, because the stuff doesn't make you happy. Well, you're learning something so far, because I got a lot to cover. Give me good amen, and I'll make it short. Best amen all day. Um, I didn't say short compared to, okay? But if it's not earned, it's seldom appreciated, Okay, let me just stick to my notes and then we'll get out of here. A gift is appreciated when you understand that it costs the giver something. When you know this, this costs them something. It's, it's much, it costs God, his son, for us to be saved. That's why we have the symbol of the cross. So why are we having this conversation and how does this apply to me? Well, the son has followed his tendencies to be ungrateful for what his dad provided because he thought there was something better out there. And after much pain, and fun, but suffering and loss, and he ends up feeding pigs, he finally came to his senses, and that's huge. And my hope today is that you will come to your senses in some areas that maybe you've had a tendency to be slack on or, or just kind of just coasting, that we would all value, okay, where am I at? What are some of my tendencies that are taking me away from, from what God wants for my life or taking me away from a marriage that I'm hoping for? What are, what are some tendencies? And, and if you're really bold, you'll ask your spouse, what are, some, what are a couple tendencies? And don't give them a list of 20. That's bad. They will never ask you again. They will, they will go the other direction. But if you honestly, hey, what are, what are two tendencies I have that kind of bug you? My wife says, well, you kind of wake up short every day. I can't help you with that one, right? I can't help you with that one. But if there's some tendencies I have, maybe be a little bit critical. Like I told you, I, I do sarcasm pretty well. Okay, that if I tend to be sarcastic, I have to tone that down. So, okay, if, if what I'm doing, my tendencies are actually hurting her, which is hurting the relationship, then I need to change my tendencies. I need to catch myself and, and say, okay, and, and say, okay, catch me in this. Because, again, I'm blind to my tendencies to give her permission to say, okay, you just did it. You just did that thing that I don't like you to do. Yep. What, breathe? No, <laughs> you talked. Like, you said something 
you were sarcastic, okay? So to be willing to be corrected and say, okay, catch me that because I want to be the best husband I can be. I want to be the man she wants to... I don't, I don't want her to look out the drive and go, oh, shoot, I'm going to go get busy because I don't want to talk to him. I want her to meet me in the garage with a glass of iced tea, but that's kind of what my cat does. Um, my cat meets me. There's no iced tea, but the cat always meets me. <laughs> and if my wife started doing it, it would be kind of weird. I'd be like, um, okay, I don't want that. That's what my mom did to my dad I saw growing up. And I always thought it was sweet. Uh, but I, I don't want that from her. But what I do love is a hug and a kiss. And that's, she's really good at kissing. <laughs> Just you got to trust me on that one because I'm the only one that knows. Um, he, what's this guy do? He comes to his senses, okay? He comes to his senses. I love that. He comes to his senses. He realizes what he's done to himself. And some people just need a good dose of reality to come to their senses. Your kids, your entitled children, need a good dose of reality. And that may mean you drive on home, you go, hey, Pastor Stan told me to give you a good dose of reality. Give me your phone. Why? Because I said so. See what happens. Do it. Okay, so do the mousetrap test and do the phone test. Seriously, all right? You try it. Just, just say, hey, give me your phone. They'll be like, why? Because it's mine. I pay for it. Yeah. If you can assert some authority there. Well, what if they're offended? Who cares? It's your money, all right? You have to assert that you are the boss of the home. Some families just get run over by the kids because the kids have a tendency to want to be in control. It goes, again, it goes back to Kayla. She said something the other day. Oh, she told... I wrote it down, because I, I, I call them Kayla quotes. I have my computer. I write down things that she says, because she says some really, really funny things. Oh, she told, she told her mom, she says, you're not the boss, I am. <laughs> yeah, that went over well. <laughs> you're really lucky she wasn't at our house, because that would have changed really fast. She's like giving, giving mommy orders. Yeah. And you have to assert, wait, no, you are not the parent here. I am the parent, okay? And this is in my mom, because she's a good mommy. Because she wants people to like Kayla when she's 10, or when she's 15. So there are things sometimes you got to do, like just take a cell phone and say, oh, just no reason. You didn't get in trouble. I'm just going to hold on to it for a while. You watch them start sweating, okay? And then you start answering. Tell you, you just say, hey, I answered Adam for you. <laughs> what? They <laughs> do that. Just see what happens. And it, Hey, let me tell you something else. You should know their passcode. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. If it's your phone... Or they're under your house. Now, I don't know my son's passcode, but whatever, he's 22. Um, right? I thought, well, I might know his passcode. I don't, think I, I don't even know my own passcode most of the time. I'm like, babe, what's my passcode? You should know their passcode. If it's your phone and you have a kid and they're under the age of 18, you should absolutely know their passcode. Absolutely. And if, and if they balk, if you say, hey, what's your passcode? And they don't want to tell you, then you take the phone and then you take the passcode and you're like, we're not playing this game. Okay? And then you smile when you do it. It's my phone, bro. Again, what you give them is seldom appreciated. Okay? Man, I'm teaching you good stuff, huh? This is fun. Church should be fun. It should be fun. He realizes he did this to himself. Okay? I'm almost done. Pastor John, you can come back up, please. Humility does his work. Okay? He comes back. So I don't know, and here's, here's our closing. I don't know how this applies to you today. There's three thoughts I have. Number one, you might be a prodigal. You might be the one that is just running from God. You're just doing your own thing and you're off and, and it was fun for a bit, but now you're in bondage and it's just like, this isn't what I thought. But again, even God has prodigals, so don't be so hard on yourself. Parents, if you have prodigals, you did the best you knew how to do. You did the best you knew how to do. People make their choices, okay? Sometimes you just have to let them make their choices. So you might be the prodigal. 
or I'm sorry, you might have a prodigal. You might have a prodigal. Well, you might be the prodigal. Again, you're somewhere along this journey with God, you've lost your way and you pursued other things. Well, it's time to come home. God wants you home. As this world is, I think, is coming to a close. I don't know when, but it's, it's, going, it's going toward the end times really fast. Amen. You need to be right with God. You need to be. I mean, it's, if you want to go to heaven, you need to be right with Jesus. Some of you may be in a marriage situation where you've just simply gotten used to each other. You've gotten too familiar. You've got unappreciative. You've gotten so busy raising kids and making a life and building a home that you've just kind of quit looking at each other. Maybe that tendency just to ignore. You, ha- you, you did a lot at first, okay, when you were courting and you were dating and, you know, guys, we're pretty smooth with our words. We can make a woman think a lot of things by what we talk and ladies, you know, you were fixed up and you smelled good and, you know, then you get married and, and all of a sudden those things kind of start just dissipating because the tendency is just to quit trying to impress. And let me tell you something, you should still try to impress your spouse. You should. You should find their love language and do that to say, hey, you know, this is important to you. It's important to you. I wear nicer clothes, not because it's important to me. And when I say nicer, I'm like, these are like $20 pair of jeans. Some of you are thinking buckles. Um, I have one pair of buckles because my wife bought them for me. I'm just good with Kirkland. Right? I mean, they're a little scratchy, but they're cheap. So if I ruin them, no problem. But, my, but what I found was my wife looked at me a little bit different if I dressed a little nicer. And when she looks at you a little different, there's results to that. So I start dressing a little nicer. So I put my good clothes on. Like, hey, baby, what's up? Because I don't know that I ever got attacked when I was wearing Kirkland's in a t-shirt. <laughs> now we're getting into the marriage stuff, which we teach in our life group. God made us certain ways and our sin nature has tendencies to go to the direction what I would encourage you if you're buried today is, is go back to where I guess you started and, and do the things that you once did the Bible actually says it. go back to do the things you once did the kids are going to grow up and move out and you got to live with each other again my thing is you just keep the fire burning baby that you don't have to try to ignite it later on because keeping a fire burning is easier than trying to light one later, especially if it's wet. Okay? So keep that marriage thing alive if you're married. If you're single, just be that person that when the bright person comes along, they go, oh, that's the one. That's the one. Okay. So here's what the guy does. Okay, here's a question I want to end with. Is this, is, the kind of, is this the kind of life I want? Whatever situation you're in today, is this the kind of life I want? And that's where the young man he asked himself that question and his answer was no (laughs) I don't want to be feeding pigs and so here's what he did he was honest with where he was at he was honest with how he got there he came to his senses and number one he owned it he owned it he didn't blame anybody but himself he said I have this plan and it's my fault I'm going to say to my dad God I've sinned or dad I've sinned against heaven I've sinned against you didn't make any excuses, didn't say, well, you didn't give me enough. No, he's like, I, I'm going to own 100% of this. We'll see dad's response next week. Number two, he made the decision to humble himself and go home. Unsure. He was unsure how his dad would respond. He didn't know how his dad was going to respond. He was a little bit scared because he said, I'll just be a servant. If I can just be a servant. Not, hey, I'm going to come home and dad will accept me. No, he was, it was an unsurety here. But he still did it. And it's what you do in those times of unsurety that really proves where your faith is at. So you're either 
living in fear or you're living in faith. And there's, there's got to be a balance because fear is the emotion, but faith is the belief that God's bigger than what you're afraid of. I don't know what you're afraid of today, but God knows. So the focus now is on the solution. I wrote here in handwritten notes is we rarely mature when we're comfortable. Or we rarely mature when we're comfortable. Amen. I'm going to ask you one question. The question is this, is are you right with God today? Are you right with Jesus? Have you given him your life? So this is a moment we do this every service because I never, I, again, I don't never take it for granted there's somebody that just wants to give their life to Christ. They just don't know how. So we bow our heads as a church family and I ask the question, do you need to give your life to Jesus today? Do you need to get your sins forgiven? If you do, between me and you and God, you just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want to pray with you. But is there anybody here that needs to make that decision? First service we did. Somebody just raised their hand. First time person here. Is there anybody that's, that just needs to get right with God? Okay. All right. I don't see any hands. It's a simple prayer. Because if you're online and maybe you don't know, it's, it's Jesus. I believe that you died on a cross for me. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. That's how, that's a, it's that easy to become a Christian. Amen. But don't leave this place without knowing Christ. Amen. All right, look at me. I'm not going to preach too long. I'm not going to close on a song today. Is that okay? All right. Amen. <laughs> it's like, I love my church family because I don't get offended. Right? It's like, amen. What are your tendencies? What are your tendencies? Okay, and what do you need to work on now? I mean, I want, you, I want you to live that. I want you to leave different, and I want you to go out and say, okay, what are some tendencies that I have that I need to work on? Amen? And if you can't think of any, ask somebody that loves you. They will be glad to tell you what they are. And if, if you can't find anybody to do it, just put it on Facebook, and I will be happy to answer publicly what I see in your life that needs to be changed. I have a really good feeling you'll ask an individual and not me publicly. Amen? Well, I have a tendency to go too long. I was waiting. That was a setup question. But anyways, I'm just going to tell you I love you. Have a wonderful afternoon. And again, Wednesday night, we do a full service. Uh, we have Bible study. We go, if you like, verse by verse. We go through the book of Hebrews, verse by verse. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, so I invite you to that. Something for every age. Have a wonderful afternoon. But you drive careful on the way out.